The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Children facing execution, execution by ISIS, refuse to renounce the name of Jesus. And it causes me great sorrow and pain to recognize that now, even in the mainstream media, it's being acknowledged that America established ISIS by its ungodly decisions and by its funneling money and resources and arms into the hands of these wicked, wicked, ungodly people who rape and murder and kill all in the name of their God, Allah, but funded by once was what a called a Christian nation, America. These precious men and women who are being so persecuted around the world are not giving up their faith in Jesus Christ. They are standing tall and firm, and I am so proud of them. Tears flow as I watch the videos of their bravery and their courageous stand for Jesus Christ. It's time that we who call ourselves Americans Stand up and say, enough is enough. The Western nations are being utterly destroyed because we have become half converted. We have our Christian rituals. We have our, our worship services, our, our business enterprises called churches. It's time to wake up. The church is not a business. The church is a ministry, a ministry of deliverance and salvation. America was a Christian nation, but now we have become an ungodly nation and a half-converted nation. Yes, we must preach the gospel to the lost, and the church will always do that. But today... I need to speak to you who call yourselves Christian. We must wake up. I submit to you that if we do not wake up, if we do not stand up in our own personal lives, if we continue to drift like the little ditty song, Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. If we don't wake up from that foolishness and examine again very carefully what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we are going to be swept away. Our freedoms are going to be gone.
we're letting our culture slip away, our Christian culture. It's almost totally gone. It is being eviscerated right before our eyes. America and the other Christian nations of the West have been playing with the devil and then trying to play with God. This lukewarm, half-converted state is why the United States Constitution has been breached by our leadership. Our president has repeatedly breached the American Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Now this half-converted attitude that we find in America, it has allowed this small group of ruthless, wicked elites to hijack our government. And then we pay them our taxes so that they can rule over us, so that they can strip away the rights given to us by God. Every day, I read of another breach of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. This is exactly what the devil wants to have happen. He wants us to capitulate to evil and allow it to roll over us. He wants us to have a fatalistic attitude that there's nothing we can do. You listen today to Pilgrim's Progress, you're going to hear very clearly what you must do if there's going to be a reversal of what's happening in America. Is it any wonder? The latest ranking of worldwide freedom, the United States has dropped to 20th place among the nations of the world. Christians, we were number one and number two of the freest nation on, on the earth for a century. From 1970 to 2001, we were voted the top spot. We were the freest nation on earth for 31 straight years. I think we would have been for many more years, but they weren't calculating it. Now look at the prosperity and quality of life that is coming to be the norm in America. We have dropped like a rock since 9-11 from number one to number 20. And now, economic freedom, our businesses, Now we no longer have a free economy. We are number 13 in economic freedom. This is why John Adams warned us 230 years ago that democracy is only fit for a moral people. There is no democracy. There is no republic. There is no America without Americans being a moral people who turn away from evil and corruption. 
a free and moral public, would utterly reject the loss of freedoms that our founders stated were given to us by our Creator. Instead, today we have great wealth concentrated in the hands of a very few. Well, we cannot have a democracy, a republic, and have an elite who control the money that goes to our politicians. Because the politicians will favor those that buy them. The latest Pew Research study, among others, has revealed that our middle class in America, the mom and pop and apple pie America, the heart of America with upward mobility, is disappearing right before our eyes. I talk with business people every day, and they say, Pastor, the atmosphere for business is being destroyed in America. The middle class and the small business owner are being silently exterminated by high taxes, excessive regulation policies that only benefit the elite and the big businesses. Meanwhile, the richest 1% of America are getting richer due to the crony capitalism you understand what crony capitalism is. It means they've come together with corporations and government. They have shipped our manufacturing offshore. They called it free trade. There's no such thing as free trade. Free trade means that they ship our manufacturing overseas where there is cheaper labor. Who do they think are going to buy their products that are produced with this cheaper labor when Americans have lost their high-paying jobs? Look at Detroit. Remember when I was a kid, I, I went to Detroit. It was such an incredible place. I remember in the child in Sharon, Pennsylvania. My dad said, look at the odometer, Ray, as we passed this factory. It was a factory where they made washing machines. We passed that factory for one mile. The building was one mile long. I recently visited Sharon, Pennsylvania. I drove by where that factory used to stand, and now the factory has been leveled. It's just weeds and open ground. I remember when I would visit Youngstown, Ohio and see the bright light of the iron ore being manufactured and processed, the smelting, that's all gone. My first church was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And I remember the church being filled with workers from Bethlehem Steel. All gone. We shipped everything to China. And now China has the money and now they're crashing because the manufacturing has stopped. In part because America has stopped buying their products. Christmas time, they used to have 
ships lined up like cars waiting to get into an exciting event out in the Pacific Ocean. Now they don't line up anymore. Why? Because we're not buying the product. We were warned. One famous politician who was running for president said, I hear a great sucking sound. He was threatened personally if he continued to say these things, and he withdrew from running for the presidency. As the gangsters set America up to be robbed, to be destroyed. America had to be destroyed for the one world government to take over. Our tax code. hundred years ago, it was only 27 pages. The typical American family could live on a single income while owning a home and saving money. The tax code today is 78,000 pages. The U.S. tax code is utterly insane and out of control as it caters to those the government favors and penalizes those who are not favored. U.S. government now picks and chooses winners and losers. Capitalism is dead in America. Tyranny has raised its head. I mean, do you realize that William Shakespeare only needed 900,000 words to say everything he had to say in Hamlet, in the history plays, in the sonnets, all all of them are only one-fourth the size of our tax code. The moral people that John Adams spoke about would not accept this. They would vote out every politician they would throw them out of office. Now, please understand, this is not a political rant today. I'm talking about the deplorable condition of the economic sphere, of the religious sphere, of the cultural sphere, as every ungodly thing is spewed out on this nation Christians of the Western nations must either stand up and say enough or we will lose our culture, we will lose our freedom, and our children will be enslaved and impoverished. Christian roots of the West really go back into the Judeo-Christian heritage, and that began to take shape in terms of governance under Charlemagne, the king of the Franks, ruling from 771 to 814. He sponsored missionary efforts. He encouraged the spread of the Benedictine monasteries, especially the copying of theological manuscripts, this started this solidification of Christian culture in Europe 
These ideas were then picked up in the Magna Carta in the 1200s, which gave everyday citizens certain rights, rights to own property, rights to due process, and much more. Today, the government owns over 28% of all the property in America, holding huge swaths of land in Nevada, Oregon, Arizona, California. Now a man buys a house and he doesn't even own it. He has to continually pay property taxes. And if he doesn't pay the property taxes, they'll come and take the house. This is utterly ungodly. It's wrong. We are losing our freedom in America. Now, I could say much more about this. And I will as we move through this week. There is only one way this is going to be turned around. And can I be very frank with you? This is not going to be turned around by our first going to the ballot box. It will not be changed by politicians. It's going to be changed as men and women recognize their place before a holy and just God. I could barely sleep last night. I kept being awakened and crying out to God for our nation and crying out to God for my own heart and my own life and for your heart and your life. So, so, so many lies have been told about Jesus. There is such Such untruth in the teachings we have received from the modern pulpits of America. And these lies bind us. They blind us. They bind us and they blind us. And they cause us to settle back in satisfaction in the little bit of comfort we have remaining in America. The Lord kept speaking through the night to me about these lies. I kept crying out, Lord, I'm not smart enough to sort all of this out. This is going to have to be sorted out by your Holy Spirit. You're going to have to come in power, Lord. You're going to have to come and bring conviction of heart and change us into your likeness. How are we going to? How are we going to do this? There's a story in the book of Joshua. I just want to read the passage quickly for you. You're familiar with it. It's Rahab and the spies as the children of Israel were preparing to go into the promised land, in the Cana land. They sent the spies in. And Somehow, in Jericho, as they looked at this great city, by the way, Jericho is one of the oldest, 
oldest city in the history of mankind. Some say that it was started some 10,000 years ago. I don't know. I personally believe more in a 6,000 year, but, but we don't really know. The city of Jericho was protected by a double wall. The first wall was approximately, they think, 23 to 28 feet tall. And then there was some space in between so that if the attackers were able to manage climbing with grappling hooks and ladders that first wall, they would then be in a no-man zone where that was uphill that could be quickly turned into a death zone with, with rocks and boiling oil arrows, spears. And then there was another wall, and that wall, somewhere between 30 and 40 feet tall. This was an impregnable city. It stood at the gateway of the land of Canaan. It was close to the Jordan River. As these spies went in, they stayed that night in an inn that was run by a prostitute. I want to read to you what this woman said. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof. This was after the soldiers had come and searched her house, and she'd put them under the flax that was drying. said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shion and Og kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my family, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all who belong to them, that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So, she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall, probably, archaeologists tell us, on the north wall. Now she had said to them, Go to the hills, <clears throat> so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, and then go your way. And the men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding upon us, unless when you enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down, 
and unless you have brought your father and your mother and your brothers and your family into your house, if anyone goes outside of your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible for anyone who is in the house with you. If they die, his blood will be on our head. He agreed, and as soon as they left, she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now here's a woman, a pagan woman, a sinner woman. But she understood that her city was going to be utterly destroyed. Judgment from this God of heaven. And she immediately, believing, acted upon her belief. And she and her family were saved. I look at that story and I contrast that with what's happening in the church. It causes me to tremble. It causes me to be terrified. Let me share why. You remember from yesterday's broadcast, and if you did not hear it, I urge you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and and listen to the first in this series. This broadcast will make a great deal more sense to you in the context of yesterday's broadcast. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. In the understanding of Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest preachers in American history, he taught that it was necessary to pursue righteousness and holiness, that that must be utmost in our hearts. But in his day, the righteousness and the holiness had been reduced to a series of rituals, to a a dry, hard, legalistic orthodoxy. And so he, after many, many hours of reflection and prayer, searching the Word of God, a truth was revealed to his heart. It's the same truth that had been revealed to Whitfield and Wesley. It was the same truth that the Moravian brothers had come to understand, that Madame Guyon from France had come to understand. There was a spiritual enlightening that was taking place. Now, some of these had errors in their teaching, but on this one point, they were very clear. And it brought the Third Great Awakening to America. One, the pursuit of absolute holiness. And two, the coming indwelling power of the Holy Spirit as Jonathan Edwards put it, majesty and mercy. Majesty 
the holiness of God, with the mercy of God, infilling of the Holy Spirit. Those of you who come out of Pentecostalism will recognize that the great revival that founded Pentecostalism It also focused on the Holy Spirit. Now, excesses, yes, there were many excesses. But this combination of extreme emphasis on holiness and righteousness and a cutting off of everything of the flesh, everything of the world, no longer walking in the ways of darkness, And then combined with the coming of the Holy Spirit, ignited a fire in the Third Great Awakening that America was shaken to its core, and it was prepared for the great revolution against England that resulted in our freedom, the writing of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. All of that sprang from a Christian understanding. We cannot divorce, we cannot divorce, as Justice Scalia has so clearly stated, we cannot divorce religion, the Christian religion, from the public square. Either we are a moral people, guided by the Judeo-Christian principles or we are not a nation. Do you want a nation that looks like Islam? All religion is not equal. Do you want a nation that is guided by the principles of Hinduism or Shintoism or any of the other isms? Look at what they have produced. Do you want a nation that is guided by witchcraft in the Wiccans or the Wiccans, however you pronounce it. Look at Haiti. Given as a nation to witchcraft. Look at the struggles of Africa. Why has Africa never become an America? Instead, it's been fueled by hatred fighting, slavery, and fueled by warfare, witchcraft. I don't want to live in a nation that is fueled by witchcraft. I don't want to live in a nation of secularism like China where a person is not considered to be of value, where babies can be slain, where, where organs can be harvested from people because while they're alive, because people have no meaning, they have no value. I don't want to be a part of a nation like India, where Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism rule. Look at what they have created. Look at what the secularists in America 
have created. And the loss of opportunity and jobs, the loss of morality. Do you really want that kind of nation? I don't. Now may I please come right down to the heart of it. I don't mean to offend, but I need to say this with love, but with great clarity. First John, the fifth chapter, I'll begin with verse 11. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Here's the problem. The problem is that in today's culture, men and women are taught that they have the Son of God because they made a confession with their mouth and said, I will accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The problem is the confession has no focus on a holy life and no focus on the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Instead, the gospel of Jesus in our wicked day, in our destructive sinking culture is simply a sentimental statement of desire with no foundation built under it. And I hear proclaimed day after day on the radio, I hear from pulpits across America, men who are utterly deceived in the things of God that John Wesley would completely turn aside from, that Jonathan Edwards would completely renounce and condemn in the Presbyterian Church, that George Whitfield would be horrified by. And it is the teaching that says sentimental love for Jesus is all that's necessary. Cry some crocodile tears. Repent a little bit. But no life focus on holiness. No life focus on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So a man is dying. And he is questioning his salvation. And he is told by his well-meaning family, 
you have Jesus. Oh yes, I have. I love. But he has no righteousness. He has no holiness. Because he's been taught that Jesus finished it at the cross. Yes, Jesus did finish something at the cross. At the cross, our Savior paid the price for sin. And he made provision that all of us could enter into salvation, but only through crucifixion, only through dying to this world. But today, the modern church says we don't have to die to this world. We can have the world and we can have Jesus too. And so this wicked lie has permeated the church. And the result is, without righteousness, there is no rising up against the wickedness that is being brought upon America in the destruction of our culture. Did we sit and drink in the the football game and our attention is on the Redskins or some other football team or baseball team? Our focus is on the Kardashians. Our focus is on making money. Our focus is on the wonderful life we have the new car we're buying, the new house we're buying, the new clothes, the vacations. Our focus is on our own needs and, and how are we going to survive. And there's, there's no righteousness. There's no holiness in the life. There's no turning away from sin and darkness. Instead, there's feasting on darkness. Fighting. Arguing, lying, cheating, stealing, fornication, pornography. Every unclean thing comes rising up before us, and there is nothing in our heart that has established a bulwark against this wickedness. So in the day of Jonathan Edwards, he said, I'm not going to allow half-converted people to come and receive communion anymore. Now, what did he mean? He meant, I'm not going to allow people who simply say they are followers of Jesus with no testimony of righteousness in their life, no testimony in their life of the infilling, sweet, gentle, wonderful, peaceful, life-changing, inward dwelling of the Holy Spirit that brings power for righteous living that I'm not going to allow you to take communion anymore. And I'm not going to do weddings for you anymore. I'm not going to marry pagans. I'm not going to ask God to bless pagans. I'm not going to do any more burials for people who did not have a testimony. You're going to have to face your future without any blessing of Jesus. It's time we stopped catering in the church to the half-converted. And the vast majority of people in America who call themselves Christians are but half-converted. Many of you listening to this broadcast 
are content to live your life with no sacrifice, no real commitment to Jesus Christ. You simply view the Christian faith as a sentimental place of comfort, or you view it as a place that is a community meeting, networking place, a place to hook up, a place of friendship. Many of you view it as a place of education where you can go and take these wonderful workshops and seminars. One dear woman that I met spent every free moment of her time at this great mega church taking workshops because what she likes to do is is learn education it's most important for her but no righteousness no full work holiness of the day just focusing on self-improvement, getting ahead, getting a better job, making having a lifestyle. And a sentimental approachment to Jesus. See why my heart's I see the destruction that is coming upon America that is already among us and upon us. I see our president, whom I believe to be a non-Christian, probably even an Islamic radical, as he has sidled up with Iran and thrown into utter wretched confusion the whole Middle East and set it ablaze, causing countless lives to be lost, especially Christian lives. Breaks my heart. Say, Lord, how do I even begin to talk about this? I'm not wise enough. I don't understand enough. Oh Lord, come help us. You see, we're not going to reverse at the ballot box what's happening. It's important to vote, and I'll vote. It's important to select as godly a leader as we can, but America is not going to be changed at the ballot. If America is to be changed, it must be changed in the prayer closet. It must be changed as we give up the illusion of an emotional, sentimental Jesus and begin to recognize suffering that is involved with crucifixion. Yes, Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor in heaven. Take my yoke upon you, for it is light. 
take that yoke is extremely painful. Because it requires a complete death to this world. If I take this passage of Scripture in John, the fifth chapter, and I say, well, he who has the Son has life, then I have, I have Jesus, so I have life, I'm saved. But what does it really mean? I look just in this chapter. I read for you, verse 17, all wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin that does not lead to death. That is sin that can be confessed. There is a sin that cannot be confessed, and it leads totally to death. It is the sin against the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit is the only one who can reveal to our hearts the purity, the majesty, the grace of Jesus Christ. And if we have turned the Holy Spirit away and we have grieved him from coming to us, all we're left with are the shell. All we're left with are rituals. All we're left with is sentimental, empty emotion about Jesus. He says all wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God. That is, if we no longer sin. And that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So the picture he begins to give us right next to this passage about having the Son is that if you're continuing to walk, loving the things of the world, then you are the problem. You are half converted. Going back to this precious woman. She heard that her city was going to be destroyed. And she turned in belief with all of her heart. And she did exactly what she was told to do so that she could save herself and her family. Today I want to tell you. America is going to be destroyed like Jericho unless there is a complete change and transformation of those of us all Christian. We're going to have to lay aside our illusions. We have to understand and study out the false teachings that have led us to this place. Please understand. I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. I finally came to a place as a pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, pastoring the Rockville Church in Maryland, pastoring at the Sligo Church, which is one of the mega-churches in the Seventh-day Adventist denomination. I came to a very clear understanding that Ellen White was a false prophet, the Advent. 
and that the Adventist church taught things that could not be found in the scriptures. And I had to make the very hard choice to pursue truth and to follow the word of God and not the teaching I'd been raised with. Now, the ugliness of the teaching I'd been raised with was this, that you could have your sins forgiven and then you must begin to work very hard to do righteous things, to obey all of their rules so that you could go to heaven. They missed one very, very important part. And that is that only by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus, can a man be made righteous. Not by white-knuckling it, not by trying hard, not by keeping the law, a man can only be made righteous by the power of the blood of Jesus. My sins being forgiven is a free gift. Being made righteous in Jesus is a free gift. But don't mistake, it is real righteousness. It is real righteousness. It is not false righteousness. We have to understand that there is There is utter deception on every hand. Part of the deception is legalism. Part of the deception is that you're saved simply by saying, I accept Jesus. Part of the deception is saying that if you have this sentimental Jesus, you can enter into heaven. Please hear me. You must have two vital elements if you are going to leave behind being half-converted. One, you must have a burning desire in Jesus for righteousness. And you must leave everything of this world and cut it off and be, secondly, born in the Spirit. You must have that peace and that joy that's based on reality, not sentimental must be willing to repent and cut off the world. And I'm going to close today, not the topic, we're coming back to it again tomorrow. We're going to deal all week with this issue of being half converted. But I want to read for you what it says in the book of John Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you love the Redskins, if you love the movies, if you love the social culture, if you love this world, the love of God is not in simple. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. There is a doing of the will of God by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. 
that must take place if you are going to have Jesus and not be simply half converted. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlay, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I pray this message has pierced your heart as it has mine. I urge you to go to nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find other messages. You'll find today's broadcast. Invite friends to join you. Pass the word. It's time for revival in America. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy.